Before we break open the scriptures together, I would just ask for a moment of personal privilege. First to say thank you. Thank you for St. Michael and your wonderful welcome to the National Cathedral Girl Choristers on Friday night who loved making music and praising God with you and your girl choristers on Friday. Thank you for your warm welcome to me and to your wonderful rector, um, Chris, who's a good friend and a colleague and follower of Christ. I also want to bring you greetings from your National Cathedral. And if you haven't been there for a while, I bring good news, which is it's a new day at your cathedral. We have financially been in the black for the past few years, and like you, we are dreaming dreams, and we are growing. And so if your travels bring you to Washington, I hope you will let me give you the tour. And if you happen to be in Austin for our Episcopal Church's General Convention in a couple of weeks, come and see us. Um, the cathedral has a booth, and we'd love to catch up with you. But mostly, I wanted to say thank you. It's a great privilege and honor to be with you. Looking at the lessons appointed for today, we are reminded once again that our God is a God of surprises. In that passage from Samuel, we have that wonderful story of the parade of the sons and ultimately Samuel being led by God to choose the youngest and the least likely who isn't even on the scene when the selection process is happening. He's God's surprise choice. And then in that gospel lesson, we have the wonderful, miraculous surprise growth of the teeny little mustard seed and what grew with God's grace and providence of surprise to all. But I think those stories are also inviting us to go deeper and to go deeper to make a difference. And that's what I'd like to reflect with you upon for a few minutes this morning. You notice in that story from Samuel that we have the whole parade of all seven sons. I mean, it sounds a little bit like a beauty contest without the swimsuit competition. And of course, in that day, the oldest son was the one who would be taking on the responsibilities. But God reminds Samuel and you and me that we shouldn't look at the outer appearances, that God looks on the heart. And in the ancient world, the heart was the center of everything. Your feelings, your emotions, but also your thoughts. The core of who you and I are. So it's logical that the Lord would be looking on the heart. And how often in our world do we look to the external things to make snap judgments one about another. It has to be the source of some of our most common idioms, like you can't judge a book by its cover, or beauty is only skin deep, or as a fellow Texan, one of my favorites, all hat and no cattle. <laughs> God looks on the heart. And when I look at that image, that parable about the mustard seed, 
St. Michael is one of the greatest examples of that I can imagine. People daring to dream in 1945 of planting a little seed in North Dallas. And look how you have grown, and look how you have blossomed, and look at the fruit that you have borne for God. And I think about another mustard seed that you have planted that's made such a difference some 21 years ago, daring to dream of Jubilee Park and what you have accomplished together, modeling for all what it looks like to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That, my friends, preaches. Because you have touched and transformed countless lives, and not just talking about your neighbor as yourself, but living it. And I think that's what God is pointing us to, how we live a life of meaning that matters and makes a difference. And I can't think of a time when that is a more urgent call for each one of us to love God, to love our neighbor, and as our presiding bishop would say, while you're at it, loving yourself. But the world so often points to those external things. David Brooks, in his book, The Road to Character, lifts up the dichotomy of what he calls resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. And so much of our education and reward system in our country and in the world today is focused on those resume virtues. If you go to the right school, you get the right job, you get the right club, you get the right stuff. One doesn't need to strive for those things at the expense of the other deeper things. At the end of the day, how do we all want to be remembered? Those are the eulogy virtues. Were you kind? Were you a nice person? Were you a generous person? Were you a compassionate person? Did you give back? The eulogy virtues that mark a life well-lived. St. Michael's an important church not just in this community, but in our country, and you're so engaged globally as well. What you do as a community of faith matters. And part of what I want to charge you with today is you've had an extraordinary 70 plus years in North Dallas modeling what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. I challenge you to continue to pray and discern what the next chapter is going to look like. And if there's one thing I know about your rector, he's not a status quo kind of guy. He will help you dream and live big to make a difference in this world. And part of that gospel message and that passage from Samuel that is great good news for each one of us is you don't have to be designated most likely to succeed. 
You don't have to be first in class. All you have to be is someone with an open heart and a willing spirit. God gives each one of us gifts for the building of God's kingdom in our time. And it's extraordinary what we can accomplish when we live into that calling in each of our giftedness. You're never too old. You're never too unnamed like four of the sons in that parade in Samuel. Each one of us matters. And that was driven home for me very powerfully in the past year by a dear friend, a church friend whom I'd known for over 30 years. Let's just call him John. He had a brilliant career. He was a career foreign service officer, served as ambassador in many troubled spots around the globe. He was everything one could wish for or want in terms of the resume virtues. But he never did that at the expense of the character values that define us in life. He was always giving back. And when he retired, he didn't stop. He just kept giving himself away and devoting his life to the things about which he was passionate, the poor, the hungry, the environment. He was passionate and gave everything he had to that. And then at age 92, he got cancer. And it became clear at one point that the cancer was going to take his life and probably in the not too distant future. And he called and asked if I would come to visit him and I said, of course. And when I got to the door, his wife answered the door and she said, John's made it clear he wants some one-on-one time with you. And I said, okay, that's fine. And she said, after we have communion, I'm going to excuse myself. And I said, that's fine. And any priest will tell you that's not an unusual request. That so often when people know that their earthly life is coming to a close, they want to talk about their life, reflect on things that were good things, things that were maybe some regrets. They often want some assurance that their loved ones and their family are going to be okay. And so I was prepared for that sort of sacred conversation. And after communion, his wife excused herself. And John looked at me and leaned forward in his bed. And he said, Jan, I need your advice. And I said, sure. He said, I can't really drive anymore or get around too well, but I can still write letters to Congress and get on the phone. How do you think I can make the most impact? This man was days from his death, and I had to hold back my tears at the humility of this man who wasn't focused on what he couldn't do, but what he could still do, giving of himself for the building of God's kingdom for as long as he had breath to do it. My brothers and sisters in Christ, our world needs you, all that you are and all that you bring. This church is an important witness in a broken and troubled world. 
Use what God's given you well to continue to make a real difference in the world. It was St. Francis who said something to the effect that we are called to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. St. Michael, preach. We need you. God bless you. Godspeed. And may God's Holy Spirit empower you to be bold, to go deep, and make a difference. Amen.